Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Have and Two Roll podcast. My name is Oliver. On this show, Robin and myself are talking with Scarlett. Scarlett is a LARPer, a costume designer, a costume creator, a cosplayer. We discuss the Empire LARP system in which Scarlett plays. We discuss what it's like to play an Archmage. We discuss magic. We discuss the Eternals. In the second half of this show, we discuss History and Virtue, which is an Empire player event run by Scarlet. We talk about the event itself and the type of things that go into running sanctioned player events for Empire. If you're watching this on YouTube, consider giving this video a thumbs up. Consider subscribing if you are new here. That really helps us out. If you're listening on your favorite audio platform, you can leave us a nice review. That will also help us out. If you want to support us or get in contact with us, the information is in the episode description. And without further ado, we'll get to our conversation with Scarlet. We were just before we started recording. We were just talking about um, thrift store, which is which is charity shops in the UK. Which embarrassingly took me a long time to figure out because I was like, "What is what are these thrift stores that <laughs> American YouTubers keep talking about?" But they're actually just charity shops. And we were saying that it's not always as easy if for some reason in the UK because there's a lot of just new new stuff in there um, for getting things like LARP kit. Um, and Scarlett was saying something interesting before we start recording as well that you were saying about getting going on ebay and getting job lots of things right Mm -hmm. yeah i usually if i'm looking for stuff i'll go on to ebay and i'll type in uh like job lot of costume jewelry or job lot brooches or something like that and usually that means you'll get a bunch of random brooches or bits of costume jewelry that you can usually buy for pretty cheap because it is just random stuff but it's useful for LARP because yeah if you just like oh I need a specific uh, like if I need like a random thing uh, to be a magical item or whatever just type it in and you can find stuff and also it's really cheap and anything you don't need you can flog (laughs) you can trade or sell or you're suddenly like oh I've got uh, this random piece that if someone else needs it I've got it yeah Um, yeah, it's useful and it's how I get most of my bits and bobs yeah you're a you're a you're a crafter as well right so it's it's uh you you you, you can you can make you're going to be making most of your so do you you get to make most of your soft kit or do you because you you all of my soft kit is made um yeah i i I, the only bits i've not made is a couple of undershirts which are um just some cheap cotton curtains again Mm -hmm. from ebay for like a fiver each um but everything else is is made by me sometimes regrettably made by me because i always have the urge to ah i really want a new outfit should just make a new outfit and then i have to remind myself no it's two weeks before the event you really shouldn't make a new outfit you you have too much to do (laughs) and especially if you've got the skills you like overstretch don't you? you're just like i can make this awesome thing and I bet I could make it in a couple of weeks. It'll be fine. Oh, totally. So, I mean, I'm at the point now I can easily wear a different outfit each day at Empire and maybe even have a couple of outfits a day. Yeah. So I don't need to make any more kit. And I've got stuff for wet weather. I've got stuff for cold weather, yeah. hot weather. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty much sorted in terms of kit. It's now just when I get the urge. Yeah. Um, I admit I do have to make some mage armor. Um, but I've also got to finish off some commissions as well before E1. So the mage armor is just going to be a very quick 
zoom through the machine and throw a lot of bling at it and hopefully that'll do for now yeah. what's the empire rules for like mage armor like material does it have to be a certain material or does or can you just say no, this, is, this um, is mage armor and as long as it looks magical is is the vibe they go right. for mm-hmm. uh so i've seen people do all sorts of things i've seen people make it out of foam i've seen people do stuff with um like armor um i've seen people make stuff out of cloth it has to cover uh three areas which mm-hmm. uh i believe mm-hmm. one of them is the chest or torso kind of area it doesn't have to be the full chest but like you can have a big hero belt as as one of the pieces or something on your shoulders for example uh and then the other areas are your head uh your arms or your legs so oh, as long right. as you have three areas covered that's that's your mage armor um i've i tend to interpret mage armor as sparkly and and glittery and you know if you're out in the sun and it's shimmery it's like clearly it's it's magical maybe maybe it's (laughs) a bit glowy it's got some glow in the dark on it oh yeah clearly magical (laughs) yeah and i like like, could you yeah like could you have um like um metal armor as mage armor as well because i i always thought before when i was reading up mage armor i thought it wasn't um allowed to be like sort of plate or anything like that which really put me off at first but could it can it be like metal and leather and so in theory you can have um metal and leather uh mage armor but Uh again it has to look magical but it can't also then be used as metal armor so i got it yeah so it's either mage armor or metal armor and it has to be distinct from the two so i've seen people do um you know, you can get those uh, one-armed, uh, like sort of gladiator-style yeah, leather yeah, yeah. pauldron-type yeah. things. I've seen people do them um, for mage armor. Now, technically, that would be leather armor, but again, because they've like covered it in runes and stuff, like maybe stuck some light-up stuff on it, it then looks magical, so it counts as mage armor. So it's that sort of blend of the two. It's, it's, yeah, but yeah, you can't, you can't be wearing it and then decide no now it's now it's suddenly metal armor and i get the extra hit points yeah yeah, i've seen a few people like just obviously incorporate instead of it just being leather or metal or or plastic they've like incorporated into fabric so it's just like a piece Mm. here with fabric around it and like you said you can can do some real simple just patterns like uh, leather carving that to make it uh, some reason like straight lines look definitely like Mm. uh like magiest junk little like runes i guess you know yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I finished a commission a couple of months ago for a chap in the league who wanted his shoulder cape to be part of his mage armor. Mm-hmm. And that was a really fun thing to do. So he wanted it sort of nautical themed. Uh, so the, co- the the cape is, it's got glitter all over it. It's got runes in the shape of like sea creatures. Um, and I even got some... Uh, juggling balls that glow like the ones that glow in the dark oh. and oh, they wow. look like fishing boys so they hang from it so again it's like it's glowy it's sparkly it you know it and it's very obviously oh it's it's more than just a cape it's like it's a magic cape yeah. so it's all little things like that <laughs> how how do you make the fabric glittery like if if somebody wanted to make fabric look <laughs> glittery how would I, that person do that uh, so to be so to be quite on- honest, I buy um, tool with um, glitter on it. So if you uh-huh. look up glitter tool, uh, T-U-L-L-E, um, yeah. it's like a very 
thin mesh and you can get it in different colors and I just overlay it over my base fabric and it makes the whole fabric look glittery. Um, it's a really simple way of doing it. Um, uh, but it looks really effective when you've got it done. And there's so many different types of glitter tool out there with designs on, um, you know, big swirls in glitter and all sorts of things. You can really play around with it. Um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> like that sounds like a lot of fun. Like I've seen the, I've seen the um, like full leather, the holographic mm. full leather. Um, like could you even use like things like that to make like cool, like, like cause I, feel like holographic things look quite magical oh, totally I mean again it's very much up to how you want to interpret it really I think that's the fun part about mage armor is you can really kind of have a good play with it um I've seen someone who's had um uh it was leather armor and then they inserted led wire in it um oh, wow so it had like almost like underlighting when when they went yeah. out and that looked really cool so yeah you know you it's very much like how you want to interpret mage armor and have a bit of a play and you know at the end of the day if you're walking around in something and you're carrying a big stick i think most people are going to assume you're a mage anyway <laughs> yeah yeah you can yeah. Really play with a brief i guess you know and really, absolutely really push it so you, i've you... seen people do um scale mail you know beautiful like scale mail like shoulder pieces and oh, stuff yes. for mage armor. so yeah it's it's really play around really and have some fun with it <laughs> yeah so, so obviously you're a costume maker but you you were a um you're a cosplayer as well like us right yes yeah so what yes what... well i haven't cosplayed for a long time but yeah. i'm getting back into it again now <laughs> yeah it's funny we're because we're starting to miss it because we we stopped for quite a while and now we're just kind of like looking and going oh i kind of miss uh I kind of miss <laughs> miss going to some of the conventions, you know. So yeah. what? So what yeah. came first, Scarlett? Was the was it the cosplay or the LARP that came first? It was definitely the cosplay. Mm -hmm. I started cosplaying when I was sixteen in two thousand and six. That shows how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I always take this as a piece of pride. I I my first cosplay was L from Death Note, but it was about six months before Death Note became big in the UK. Nice, nice. So I remember going to MCM Expo, as it was known back then, mm -hmm. uh, which was only as big as one hall. It was tiny. It was so empty. You could run around, you know, without bumping into people. It was oh, great. That's so cheap. Wow. It, it was it was it was 35 pounds a ticket it was so cheap back in the um, day back in the day <laughs> and uh and yeah the following october suddenly everyone was cosplaying from death note so i have that as a point of pride <laughs> but yeah, um, i was the first <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was it, literally it was us it was me and my friends and one other group of people and we were both like oh death note fans so um yeah but it is always that thing of yes, my first cosplay was L, and I'm I'm trying to take what little pride I can from that. <laughs> That's where the, some a lot of the magic is in cosplay. That was my favorite when I first uh, my first ever cosplay. Uh, one of the ma the magic moment was uh, going through a convention hall and then spotting someone from the other side of the convention hall that you didn't know. <laughs> um, and when I started cosplaying, I, I wasn't wasn't quite social as I am now, but just mm. having that connection without Absolutely. having to walk up and be like oh hey you know what's your name you just you know you instantly know the other person likes the same thing you do and so yeah. you can have a conversation I mean I I did go to um Japan Expo mm -hmm. in Paris once um when was that 2000 
fifty. Uh-huh. Was that like the that. European okay. uh, cosplay gathering? Was it? Yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. uh, that was when they had the. Um, uh, yeah, that was when they had the cosplay gathering mm-hmm. there. A really good, really good event. Loved going to it. Um, but you know, going to France, you're a bit, bit nervous, and and <laughs> and I remember literally walking into the hall. And I was cosplaying uh, Simon from Gurren Lagan, mm-hmm. And, you know, just walking in, wasn't thinking anything of it. And out of nowhere, this this girl dressed as Luffy came charging towards me and just hugged me and started speaking very, very quickly in French to me. And I'm going <laughs> to admit my French is appalling. I can just about say, I'm sorry, I don't speak French. I'm English. Yeah, and, yeah, you probably and, came and through her, that English uh, Bless her, she was system. so sweet. <laughs> Obviously, her English was impeccable. And immediately <laughs> once I said I was English, she she switched over. But again, it was just so nice that even in like a foreign country, someone who you know literally speaks a different language to me can just get so excited we had a lovely chat about Gurren Lagann and it was great so Mm. yeah I mean I love cosplay um but yeah it it sort of hit a point um yeah sort of mid 2010s where I was getting a bit bored of it I think it was when Comic-Con was getting really really big and a bit overwhelming Mm -hmm. um and the cosplay scene it was all getting a bit um don't want to sound rude it was getting a bit e-girly if yeah. you know what I mean it's and and I just wasn't liking the vibe so much um mm-hmm. and then one of my friends from uni he said to me oh well you know I've been doing this thing called LARP um and he'd been doing it since like the 90s you know wow. he'd yeah. been doing LARP forever um <laughs> and and he said you know you like cosplay maybe you'd like this LARP thing and I was like yeah okay I'll, I'll give it a go so I went to the penultimate Maelstrom event. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, wow. Probably a good okay. time to jump in, I imagine. Yeah. Well, you say that, to be quite <laughs> honest, no. <laughs> um, because it was the second to last mm-hmm. Maelstrom event ever. And this was my first LARP ever. So I had no idea what was going, was on. going on. Yeah. It was completely mad. Obviously, the game was sort of winding like coming to its end um so it was it was a bit like i mostly just stood there and was like i have no idea what's going on but i know i'm enjoying it yeah um but sort of not enough i've kind of was like there's no point me going to the last game you know i didn't make any effect in the first in the game i went to and obviously the game's finishing so what's the point um but then i heard that obviously there was this game empire happening and Mm. i thought well, well that sounds fun when that one starts up i'll i'll give it a go so yeah i i I got to go to that, uh, that, so I'm uh, I'm a year one player, not E one player. I didn't I didn't okay. go to the the frost event. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the cold, cold oh event. yeah, I, I I narrowly missed that one. I think I was doing uni stuff at the time mm-hmm. or something. Couldn't make it, but I'm quite glad of that. Um, but yeah, pretty much been going to Empire ever since. So, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you are you still playing the same character from from all that for all that time? Or I went to. My very first Empire event, I did technically make a new... I did technically make a character. I can't even mm-hmm. remember their name now because it was very much a... I want to see what this new game is about before I make yeah. any decisions and stuff like that. And then the next event I went to, which I believe was E3 of the first year, I then made Luke, who is my current character, who I'm still playing right now. Um, oh, wow. I started him off as a 14-year-old squire in Highgard with the idea being 
He's just finished his military service. He's just passed his citizenship test. And that way it's okay for me to not know everything Mm -hmm. because I can learn as my character learns. Mm -hmm. So um, he's now 22 now in the game. Mm -hmm. And like, he's legitimately like, grown up and you know gone through puberty in the game which has been a really fun thing to do <laughs> that sounds like such a cool I've not actually heard of somebody like doing it like that before like like bringing a character in and just being like yeah like they, they've just passed the citizenship chest they're just gonna grow up and just uh, grow with them that's really smart yeah it's it's been really good and interesting fun like so much has happened to the character as they've grown and as the game has grown it's it's been really interesting and i i find it quite fun in the sense of you know i hear people be like oh i once heard this thing happened in the game and i'm sitting there going like yeah i was there for that thing this is how it went down or this is my character's opinion on this thing um it's it's great fun and you know my character's attitudes and viewpoints have changed as the game has evolved and you know it's 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 been really interesting and really good fun I mean I don't know if I could do that sort of character again just because Mm -hmm. I have so much knowledge about the game now I don't think I could come in as a character who just doesn't know all that different stuff now yeah it's it's I'm glad I did what I did um and you know I've got to thank a lot of especially uh, long-term LARPers in general for giving me a lot of support when I mm-hmm. first started the game. Yeah. Um, I definitely wouldn't be where I am in the game now if it wasn't for those LARPers who supported me when I first yeah. started playing. Yeah, because so, yeah. there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that now, and it is quite an easy game to come in with that mm. um, attitude of like, oh, this is my first time mm. at Anvil and I know nothing. Like, it's such mm. an easy game for that. Was it... Has the game like evolved into that, or was it always was it always well designed enough that you could just be like, "I'm my character doesn't know anything." Um, I think it was all right. In I mean, again, I was quite lucky in that um, I had a lot of support from a lot of people who had done LARPing for a long time. Yeah. Not obviously not necessarily Empire because it was, Empire was so new, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was surrounded by quite a lot of long time LARPers. Yeah. Um, And one of the things that really helped me, and it's something I, I, again, I try and do nowadays, is, uh, I mean, I I don't think I spoke very much at all the first couple of events because I was just so nervous. And, you know, it's like, oh, these scary, important people. And there's just me being a little squire, not knowing what I'm doing. You know, my, my job at the events was I would help my group put their armor on for battle. Um, My first two battles, I went in without any weapons, without any armor. I just went in and my job was to collect the arrows and the sh- and the broken shields um, to f- and give them back to the people who, uh, give them back to the archers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I literally was just around collecting arrows and those were my first couple of events. And I very much played it as a, you know, I, I'm a squire, I don't, I don't have, a sword I don't have a shield I'm literally just collecting arrows and again I'm kind of glad I did that because it's that's informed my character but um no the the person I think I need to thank the most for it all was uh uh Chris who I believe is on the plot writing team now um but he played the original Archmage of Summer mm-hmm. in the game. Okay, he okay. Was the first Archmage of Summer in Empire. Uh-huh. He played in Urizen and he played a character called Corvus. And due to 
background shenanigans and stuff, me and a couple of other people in our group, uh, we were summer mages. Mm-hmm. So obviously the first thing we did was let's go and chat to the Archmage of Summer. Yeah. And obviously it was a lot easier to do that back in the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and bless him, he was so sweet because he basically asked me, you know, do you, you know, do you have something you want to do do you have a job and I was a bit like oh I don't know you know I'm new still trying to figure everything out and so what he would do is he would ask me to deliver messages across the field uh because obviously he was a busy archmage he couldn't be there so he would say you know can you please tell this person who looks like this in the league camp blah 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 mm-hmm. and I'd be like right so go trotting off to the league camp and obviously I didn't know anyone so I was like I'm looking for this person apparently they look like this and eventually I'd find them and then I'd tell them the information and they'd be like great can you go back and tell Corvus blah 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 but (laughs) it was really good because it helped me a figure my way around the field it helped me get to recognize and know people and like influential people these were like senators and stuff i was Mm. talking to didn't know at the time but obviously eventually i figured (laughs) it out um and also you know i was delivering important information i I, again didn't know how important it was but it was important information so i was slowly learning the game as i was delivering messages and then obviously by sort of doing this job um Corvus eventually took me um, and a couple of others to an eternal meeting, which again, back oh, in sick, the day, yeah. was like a massive deal. Um, so, and you know, I was just like, oh, this is like my second event, and I'm meeting at Eternal. Yeah. I'll just stand in the corner <laughs> and not. Literally, didn't say anything. I was so nervous, but it was such a cool experience. Um, and yeah, like it helped build my confidence up, and like say, sort of helped direct me to where I am today um playing an archmage of summer so it's you know it's a pro it's really in terms of like storytelling although that wasn't the intent or the direction i was uh-huh. going in that it kind of just came out that way naturally and yeah. i think that's one of the things of playing a long-term character is seeing that character's storyline and how it develops and changes and which way it goes mm-hmm. and so on <laughs> yes since you since you beautifully segued us into this yeah. so what is so you're the current archmage of of summer. So what what is the what is an archmage for people who might not know anything? Um, I totally know, obviously. But just in case yeah, yeah. Know. Like this is not for <laughs> us. Like just you know. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, so archmages are we are essentially uh, diplomats of the realms. So obviously there are the uh, six realms hmm. of magic: uh, spring, summer, autumn, uh, winter, day, and night. Um, and obviously there are the Eternals, which are the magical beings of the realms. Uh, the Archmages act as essentially uh, ambassadors to these uh beings so we're allowed to interact with them we have special uh, abilities one of them is called plenipotentiary which basically means we can write a letter a season to one of these eternals in our respective realms and have a chat with them and stuff mm-hmm. um when an eternal kicks off or does something we don't like uh, it's our job to deal with it um but also if we want the eternal to give us something or do something we also have to be the ones to deal with it mm-hmm. um it is it is a very fun but also very stressful job mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know i summer i touch wood as far as the winds have gone so far 
the summer realm is not on fire and therefore I'm <laughs> counting that as a win. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, it's very much, um, it's both a job I see and OC in the sense that part of it is also giving game to other people. You yeah. have, you, essentially yeah. you are a gatekeeper. You have access to a whole portion of the game and you are the one who sort of, is able to ease plot regarding those those eternals to yeah. the player base yeah so um it's you know it's very much a sort of balancing act of what do you want to do as you and your, you as a player and you as your character but also being out of character aware it's like you can't really hog the game i mean you can yeah. but Wait, yeah. it's, yeah. Not, it's not considered kosher to do that <laughs> <laughs> so so how many so you get so you only get to you said you said one letter right so is that you once get, every summit, so once then? once a season mm-hmm. you are able to send one plenipotentiary to one eternal um so you obviously have to select which eternal you want Mm -hmm. um and you know you might get a plenipotentiary back that just says no i don't want to talk to you go away you might get someone that says oh all these things you've asked for sure i can sort them out for you but i want something in return um most of the time you'll get uh an organization uh you'll get a opportunity for a meeting which is called a parlay mm-hmm. um those usually happen in the hall of worlds mm-hmm. um and they pop up you'll see them if you look at the winds of fortune mm-hmm. okay. um but uh they do also happen in other circumstances as well yeah. um so yeah there's a there's a big mix of stuff um so like at e4 uh i had written previously to Maraud and I'd asked him a couple of things was like some people want to chat to you about some rituals and I've got some things I want you do you want to come and have a chat and E4 in the Hall of Worlds uh, Maraud and a bunch of his heralds all rocked up and we had a lovely group meeting where a bunch of people got to chat to Maraud there were some kid mages who wanted to show off their magic to to Maraud it was great fun (laughs) Um, really really good fun little scenario Mm -hmm. but also sometimes you can have meetings which are in uh the realm well the chambers of the realms Mm -hmm. uh which are like small little encounters um and all sorts of things so yeah it's a it's a i i love the eternal game it is so much fun um it's it's a part of the game i personally don't think is like any other part of empire Mm -hmm. but um again it's it's one of those parts of the game that you have to sort of help plot on the way too for people <laughs> i can see how you're so busy though because like yeah. if you've got if you so if you can only speak to one eternal and you've only got one chance to summit because it's like the eternals are things that the entire empire is it's not just like oh it's just the generals that interest in talking yeah. to them or just the senators so i imagine you've got a lot of people being like oh i want you to i want you to send something to, is that literally your entire game yeah. Um, a large like, portion hey. of my game is people coming up to me and saying i want to talk to this eternal for these reasons you know please can you write to them next and i have mm. to sort of weigh up you know weigh up the options of which eternals do i want to chat to which ones are perfectly happy at the moment and we don't want to disturb them which ones are currently not happy at the moment and we really need to calm them down it's it's very much a 
I, I call it, it is a job where you are constantly spinning plates mm-hmm. and, and the idea is to keep all the plates spinning and as long as none of them fall down, you're okay. You're never, you're never going to win at the game of Eternals. It's very much just keep the plates spinning and keep people happy and, yeah. and that's the best you're going to do. Um, other people have different opinions. Some people are like, no, I want to uh, focus only on this Eternal and, and screw the others and all that sort of thing, but... It, it, that's not how I play it. Yeah. <laughs> so I can imagine you're like, oh yeah, you know what? It's not. I can imagine the, the generals might be like, you know what? We don't care if we upset this eternal. Can you? Can you just do this? And you're probably like, I don't really want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, being in the realm of summer, you know, the big one that everyone talks about, obviously, is Knights of Glory, and mm. I'm sure there's going to be a collective groan from a bunch of people who are listening <laughs> to this. Um, but you know. One of the big things is obviously uh, the generals want to use Knights of Glory as mm-hmm. as a ritual, and uh, that was a whole thing where Eleonaris thought it was being overused and was like, "You can have this thing only if you give me something in return." Okay, Stuff yeah. happened. She eventually got rid of Knights of Glory, and essentially we had to work on improving relations with Eleonaris again. Mm-hmm to get knights of glory back uh we finally have it back so we the the hard work paid off but um that was several seasons of really hard role play and hard work from not just me but like a bunch of people involved in summer plot to to make that happen yeah um but it you know it's it's one of the things of the game it is knowing you are doing stuff that is actively affecting the game world in one yeah. way or another um, yeah. it's it's good fun <laughs> yeah. i think like Eleonaris, when i read the when i read the wiki on her i was like this just sounds like uh cersei lannister but in in <laughs> in, in god form is that because i know some of the other realms there it's like these parlays and that can be quite scary in summer realm is it are you ever going in being like we might not come out of here um i've personally never experienced one like that However, it is totally possible. Um, Summer Realm stuff, it it really depends on the mood of the Eternal. Um, And again, they're all different. Eleonaris, you know, she's known as being very fickle. So there's some there's been some meetings where you rock up and she's like in the middle of a war council meeting so it's all very intense and there's other ones i've been to where the summer realm basically had a big feast and it was all a bit of a uh you know it all seemed very nice until uh Jaehaerys decided to flip some tables and storm out and then it all turned a bit soap opery um meeting Jaehaerys um recently was a really fun meeting because it was the first time he had been in the position he's in so i wasn't quite sure what to expect when we went Mm -hmm. in so it was a bit nerve-wracking um but that was a very fun it was like a formal uh like meeting uh a king or a prince Mm -hmm. uh sort of throne room meeting so that was very intense but in a very sort of diplomatic way yeah um and then you've got maraud who like say just hops along into the Hall of Worlds, quite happy to hear about what you're up to, what's going on. Um, and then there's my, uh, my one of my out-of-character favourites is uh, Rhiannos. I haven't met Rhiannos officially. I don't know if they have an NPC for Rhiannos the Eternal, mm-hmm. um, but Rhiannos's heralds are a lot of fun. Um, one of them uh, sounds like Brian Blessed and goes oh, around no shouting adventure <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Literally just screaming adventure in a Brian Blessed voice. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. 
um, and also, funnily enough, played by Chris, who used to be Corvus, the original Archmage of Summer, there is uh, who I affectionately call the Crabmiral, who is Rhiannis' admiral, who comes out in massive crab armor um and again it's all about adventure and fun stuff and they're just they're just a very fun bunch of heralds to interact yeah, with yeah i've so. got to admit i think because I, I think someone asked us that we did a stream not long ago and someone asked like what eternal that we would want to go and i think i said rianos because i was just mm. like it kind of suits my character i like adventure because i don't have anything meaningful to say to any of the rest <laughs> of them but if i wanted to go on and some if i found some cool quest then i would yeah. love to like yeah uh sit down and like froth with <laughs> I, I do ha- I do have plans to contact Rhiannos at some point in the future because it's been a while and I've got some interesting ideas for some fun adventures to send people on to. So maybe watch the space for coming Ooh. events. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. So if you, uh, so obviously love you, you, so you have to go, do you, do you have to go as the Archmage or can you just, no. All right, I, so- I, I don't have to go to any um, parlays or quests or anything that an Eternal sets. Um, obviously, if an Eternal requests you to be there, it's considered impolite to not go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's nothing saying I specifically have to go unless otherwise said. Um, generally, I've been to nearly all unless there's been... Um, there was one meeting when Eleonaris was in a particularly bad mood and I'd sent her like a, a letter to try and see if we could hash some things out and do a diplomacy. And she wrote back saying, you know, not not happy to meet you now, but, you know, I've set up a nice little uh, feast uh, for my heralds to to like ch- chat to if you want to chat nice. to them. And I thought from a diplomatic standpoint, um I'm not going to go to this meeting because, you know, the person I want to speak to is not there and that that would be a sign of weakness. So I'm going to not attend. So she's sending her retainers. I will send, air quotes, my retainers (laughs) and and they can talk. So um, I basically sent a bunch of uh, players who I thought would do well with chatting and they got to go to the meeting and I just asked them to report back to me. Um, So yeah, it's very much sort of how you want to play the game if you want to go to all the meetings or not really. (laughs) So like, like being in your position, are you potentially at quite a high risk in certain situations and because you're the one that ha- that is actually having to communicate with these Eternals and um, it's maybe not always overly positive as your character in um, any kind of risk. I, I mean, we've spoken about Eternals before and I think they sound terrifying. <laughs> Although the way you speak, this sounds really lovely and great and I am still I mean, scared. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, always got to think of them these are incredibly powerful beings you know they're not (laughs) gods but they they can wield extreme power and you've always got to be aware of that um when interacting with them and that how you interact with them will determine an outcome and if you upset the eternal the outcome might be bad so for example this was before I was Archmage, um, I got a position uh, called Master of Ice and Darkness. It's a very dramatic, <laughs> That's, that's a really, really cool title. <laughs> um, so the title was for a position um, in the newly built uh, Summer College of Magic. Mm-hmm. And 
the College of Magic had the Eternal Catherine Kinney as uh, a patron. And she had uh, some particular favorite people she wanted to get the job. Um, then there's me, little, you know, playing a 16-year-old, wanting to just try a little bit of ambition and be like, well, I'll stand for this position. It's not the end of the world if I don't win, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Ended up winning the job, <laughs> which I was not expecting. Um, but because I came completely out of left field and I wasn't involved with Kathleen Kinney, she then uh, put a curse on the like surrounding the college, uh, saying that anyone who wasn't Varushkan, because the college is in Varushka, mm-hmm. uh, was going to have to battle through a blizzard to get <laughs> to the college. Um, so, so that was interesting. And so I got to role play. You know, came to the event with a st- fake streaming cold, pretending I'd fallen over in a snowdrift and stuff like that. Um, and that was like a light, a light thing, just because I Conclave voted me into the job that she wanted someone else to get. Um, obviously, it can be much, much more dramatic depending on how yeah. it goes. Um, I have had assass- assassination attempts on me, oh. um, which is always a bit scary. But you know, again, um, it's part of the job, I guess. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's very. It really depends because summer is it's it's the realm of war but it's also the realm of nobility mm-hmm. and and sort of kings and queens and all this sort of thing so they're not so quick to things like um say spring which is a bit more chaotic yeah. and mm-hmm. you know a bit more uh far-reaching i suppose um you know hayak he is the eternal of wrath and vengeance in the summer realm. So obviously he's one you're like, don't really want to upset him nope. if we can help it. Um, but yeah, so it's one of those things of it can go wrong, but part of the job of being an archmage especially is knowing or understanding kind of how an eternal ticks. I think that's one thing that I always say to people is, you've got to understand the nuances of an eternal. So mm. I've had people coming up to me plenty of times saying, um, uh, can you go and speak to Rianos about building a Navy or helping us with a Navy? And on paper, that would make sense. Rianos is the eternal of the sea. Um, okay. He loves sending, you know, he he helped with like the raid on Dubtrag and all this sort of thing, like adventure, yeah, high seas, huzzah, pirates, woo. <laughs> um, but actually, Rianos hates the concept of navies because it his whole thing or their whole thing is about um, the individual fleet, like the individual sailing ship or the individual ships that go forth and sort of strive against trailblazing the, yeah yeah proper the overwhelming terror of the sea etc so it's it's about knowing those nuances and and again that's that's sort of what fun thing i'll have someone come up to me and say hey i want to do this with this eternal and i have to sort of think about it and go no that won't work they won't like it and here's the reason why mm-hmm. um so it, it's that sort of thing i you know one of my role play moments was uh I just agreed something with Kath and Kanai and this Wintermarker 
afterwards came up to me and started shouting at me, you know, <laughs> standing right in front of shouting at me, you know, Kathan uh, Kanai has sent heralds and ice giants to fight with the Jotun and, or, and they're, they're fighting against us. How can you be supporting her? Blah, blah, blah. And I had to sort of very calmly explain like, no, no, no. The fact that she's sending all this stuff against us is a good thing. And let me explain to you why. And, um, you know, managed to completely calm the guy down and talk him down. And he kind of realized, oh, I guess actually you do know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I guess that's built into that, that mechanic of only being able to like, you know, send one letter. Cause like, I guess if you could just like send, infinite letters people would just be just just chance it and just like we'll ask him for this and we'll ask this one for this mm. and this one for this but if you've only really got like one kind of shot it kind of forces you as the archmage to be like mm, no maybe maybe that won't work you know just be like ah see it just we'll, we'll 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 do it and see yeah yeah and i mean i do say one of the things i like about the summer realm particularly is um there are little ways you can you can create interaction with Eternals without needing the plenipotentiary. So I'm going to plug it here because I think it's a really it, yeah. good thing. Um, so I recommend, I always recommend people, if you can do the ritual, challenge the Iron Duke. It is a fantastic ritual. It's essentially you doing a ritual that pings through to the eternal Baryon and Baryon is all about challenges and proving yourself and so on and on an out of character level it's a bit like sticking a big arrow above your head and saying hello plot please give me some <laughs> plot please um, <laughs> and what happens is the following season a herald of uh, Baryon will come and find you and we'll sit you down for a little interview and question you and your character about like, you know, what is it you want to do? What, like, what, tell me about you. What is your thing? What are you aiming to achieve in, in life, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what are your ambitions? What are your goals? And then they'll go and have a chat to some of your character's friends and be like, tell, tell me what you think about this person. Tell me about them. And, you know, they'll get all this information and then they'll go trotting back off to the summer realm. And then, they will craft a mission or a quest or a challenge specifically for your character. Um, and it's brilliant because it's not just like fighting monsters and stuff, although I have seen a lot of people have like defeat this big scary monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. People who are non-com can get non-com challenges, um, which I think is really good because I, I think a lot of people think summer realm oh i've got to be able to fight to do mm. anything and it's not and again the challenge is always tailored specifically to your character or what your character is trying to achieve okay. so um i had a friend who did it last year mm -hmm. um and he was sort of saying oh i feel a bit responsible for not being able to stop uh stop the highborn who made the breaking of the mirrors and Sarvos happen you know okay. i feel like i should have been able to stop this so they had and they were like i want to sort of make amends with the league so mm -hmm. he decided to do a ritual challenge and do to do that and how it ultimately went was they were given a challenge to lead a mission of leaguers as a highborn to go and 
gather a bunch of mysterious masks and in a in a little skirmish mission quest type thing um i won't say how it went or what happened yeah. blah 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 <laughs> but um but yeah and and that was it it was like you know you have to work with these leaguers and sort of do something for the league as a part of reparations um and and the fallout of that what and this is the other great thing about challenge the iron duke rituals is they nearly always have a knock-on effect mm-hmm. they will nearly always cause something to happen you'll um you'll get a cool item you'll get a cool uh story um but it will nearly always connect into other plot happening so even though you think your challenge the iron duke is over a couple of seasons down the line something might trigger and you'll be like oh this thing is happening and i've got this thing related to that because of my challenge it's just wow (laughs) it's a really lovely way of doing it um but the whole point of Challenge the Iron Duke on an eternal aspect is that all the Eternals of the Summer Realm will know the result of that challenge, oh, okay. uh-huh. regardless of whether you succeed, regardless of whether you fail. They know how it went. Um, so it's almost like, again, like a little, just a little post-it note that gets put with your character for when they an know Eternal, you. Yeah, they, they know, know you. Well. And they'll be like, oh, you're the one who did this thing. So, yeah. um, yeah, you I get some fun stuff out of it. love <laughs> that. I love that, especially as a Dawnish changeling. I'd yeah. be all over that. <laughs> also, I have nothing really to do currently. <laughs> oh, I, I highly recommend doing Challenge the Iron Duke yeah. then. Um, it's it's great fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I always say to people to do it. It's it's just, it's such a good ritual. It's just, yeah, it's so nice. Um, and yeah, it's it's plot for you. Like, mm. who, who doesn't want a bit of plot just for them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially if it like sparks plot for other people in life. Like you say, if the, like the example you gave with the with mm. the leaguers, you're just like gives you something to be like, right, okay, now I have to go talk to all these leaguers. And... Yeah, and he's now got a load of friends in the league um, that he wouldn't necessarily have interacted before. So yeah, it's 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 great, and you know he had to be the one to lead the mission and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really fun ritual, and it's it's not very expensive to cast either, oh, really? which is yeah. also helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You mentioned um, you mentioned conclave earlier, so like archmage. What where where do you sit in like the hierarchy? If there, because I don't really know much about the magic game. Where where do you sit in like the hierarchy of like the the magic the magic game type thing? So it's in conclave. So I will say some. There's been some changes to conclave literally recently. Mm-hmm. So it's I okay. can't say how dramatically it's going to change uh, until we get in the field, but. Um, generally conclave is mostly run by the grandmasters now the grandmasters are uh the heads of the various orders and i kind of describe the orders as a bit like sort of like political parties i suppose um it's each each group has a different focus on the role of magic in in the empire so you've got the rod and shield which focus on like battle magic and and military rituals and all that sort of thing uh you've got uh the shuttered lantern which is about uh trying to like protect the empire or you know use um uh shields and stuff and just kind of hide things but also kind of uncover secrets and things it's it's all sorts of different ones about that um sevenfold path is about uh 
virtue and it's in conjunction with magic and using mm-hmm. magic in a virtuous way so yeah generally there's a group for everyone depending on what sort of angle you're going at and um the grandmasters decide uh who gets to speak uh and uh who gets to ask questions and then when it gets decided who's voting we all vote an archmage doesn't really have any precedence in conclave um unless they're asked for an opinion on a particular eternal of the realm Mm -hmm. um because of the conclave changes uh the grandmasters now also have the ability uh to they're the only ones who can put forward a declaration in conclave now a declaration uh i would say it's comparable to putting something through the synod uh so you it's sort of like making a statement. Mm-hmm. So uh, the conclave thinks casting this ritual is a good idea and we should cast this ritual today. Um, that would be something put through um, conclave and that would be something a grandmaster would put up. Mm-hmm. So it gets okay. discussed and then everyone votes on it, on whether or not that should pass or not. Yeah. Um, as an archmage, my new power in conclave is I can raise a declaration uh, about Eternals makes sense, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, and it, in regard to whether we put them under something called Amity or Enmity and Amity and Enmity basically means are they a friend of the Empire or are they an enemy of the Empire and okay. by declaring them a friend or enemy gives additional uh, uh, additional changes to the Eternals so an Eternal under Enmity who is an enemy of the Empire basically it gives them less access to the empire like okay they can still do things but it's a lot harder for them to do things in the empire to do shenanigans and do some wibbly magic and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um it's why you don't see uh agramant just dumping uh you know cannibalism rituals left right and center Yeah. Um, yeah It, he can't do that very easily because he's an enemy because to he's the an Empire. enemy, yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, Amity obviously means, hey, we're friends, we want to work with you some more. Um, and so what that does is it means uh, the Eternal has larger access to the Empire and can basically pretty much dump a ritual where they want or yeah. do things that essentially almost without permission um, yeah. They can just be like, well, we're friends, so it's cool for me to do this, right? Yeah. Um, so, for example, in the recent Winds of Fortune that's popped out, Lofir uh, has asked to be put under Amity, and he's been asked to put it under Amity so he can then dump uh, a big ritual on the Empire that's going to ruin all the farms in the Empire. <laughs> and he, okay. he can't do that unless he's declared a friend. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so it's 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 again, it's very much a diplomatic thing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people view being an archmage as you you do a lot of rituals, you do a lot of magic. You know, you've got the big magic stick, and you've got the special regalia that lets mm. you do certain ritual type stuff. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I don't have time to do rituals to do magic. I don't mind that. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of standing in a ritual for ten minutes trying to yeah. get a ritual to happen. <laughs> um, so I usually will hand off my archmage regalia to other people who want to go and do rituals. Um, it's much more about the diplomacy and trying to earn things for the empire 
while not causing disrupt yeah. to the realms. Yeah. It's it's really good fun. Um, if you're into yeah. politics, yeah. you know, it's a good thing to go for. Yeah. But yeah, don't expect you're going to have a ton of time to do a ton of rituals. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, people like obviously reiterate that they're not gods, but like that's such mm. an important thing because mm. you can then, because it's like you say, it's a, like the whole game is political, you know, even yeah. at every level it's political. And if you had them as gods, then there's no you know that there's no negotiating with them because yeah. then you know that they want something from the empire because they're a little bit i've described them more like like devils and demons from like D. yeah or... i've heard um people refer to them as like um sort of like the unseely court um like fae and yeah, all that kind of yeah stuff they're very like... similar to like the if you're familiar with the older scrolls games they yeah, have the yeah. daedra which are like mm. Yeah, so that some of them are some of them are good, some of them yeah. like, like humans, some of them hate humans, some of them want to enslave, but they have to. They can't just jump onto the mortal yeah. realm. That they, they can't just do what they want. They have to be like, oh, I'm going to have to go in and influence some of these to be Absolutely. cultists, so I can they yeah, can do yeah. my stuff for me, you know. And I I think it's also um, I always sort of you always have to remember the Eternals have their own agendas. Yeah. They have their own goals. They have their own things that they want. And also, you've got the other nations in the game and the um, you know the other factions also interacting with Eternals and trying to earn their favor and trying to uh, achieve certain things with them. Yeah. So it's you know I I remember one and this was in fact this was I think the first meeting I had way back in the day as I said with Elianaris. And we arrived in this chamber with Elianaris and there was a Druge orc there and a, I think it was Jotun orc there. And they were trying to earn Elianaris's favor. So they had like, uh, so the Druge had like, oh, we've got this Orichalcum, you know, you love Orichalcum, you know, give us all the, all the shinies. And the Druge orc was like, no, 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 like, we're really fighty and we'll, you know, we'll fight in your name and blah, blah, blah. You know, give us all your shinies in that respect. Um, and what eventually happened was uh, uh, Creed in our group, he stood up and he's a, he's a, big changeling you know mm. he, he'll he's one of those people who'll be quiet for a long time and then when he gets up he he can yeah. really go for it yeah. he stood up and he walked up to the druge and he said you shut up and then he walked to the other you know he, obviously not these particular words he said something a little yeah a little more sweary and said you shut up to the jotun mm. and then turned to elianaris and said i don't need your magic i don't need your boons we're going to go and destroy these two without any help from you um, because we don't need it. And like, there was a moment of silence and we were all like, Oh no. And then she, she suddenly started laughing and then said, that's exactly what I wanted to hear that you don't need my help. Mm -hmm. And she basically then was like, you know, cool. I'm on your side. You know, I don't care about the shiny gifts. I don't care about this. I want to hear you standing up yeah. for yourselves. And, and then, that's so and then, cool. And then everyone exhales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a proper like oh moment. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah, and and that's it. Is any of those things could have worked? But the thing that piked her interest the most was oh yeah, I like it when people can sort of stand on their own two feet. Yeah. Um, and it's what I was saying earlier about. Eternals have their own nuances and their own like ways of working, and it's just 
figuring out and picking up on those little details. <laughs> right, Scarlett, we we uh, went to our first uh, our first player event. We so we we went to every event uh, at Empire our first year, and when we finished, people were, oh you go to player events, player events, and we were like yeah yeah and there's there was a there was a lot to choose from we went to history and virtue which um mm. which which is your player event now like this this might be a, a massive massive question and hope we, <laughs> we might be able to like um, unpack it slowly but what so like what what goes into being like from from the from the start of like hmm, i think i might want to run a player event for empire to actually running a player event what what is that process like um so I will be honest there are, I've I've run a couple of player events before um I think for me one of the thing I love about player events is when is you get the opportunity to do something you wouldn't be able to do in Anvil and that you get to I I personally like to create the world that empire is in to have a moment yeah. where you can feel like you are legitimately 100% in this place in the empire and even for just a second have that feeling of complete and utter immersion that's my personal goal when it comes to player events um i've run uh, a couple of social ones so when i first came up with the idea for history and virtue i was trying to find a place of all right i want to run an event set within my chapter in yeah. in the game so in character my character has gone and created his own chapter um okay. and i was like i want to bring that chapter to life i want that place to feel real um and i want people to come and visit it because to be quite honest there aren't a ton of high guard events there's a lot of dawnish ones which mm -hmm. is completely understandable quite a few marcher ones um but yeah not a lot of high guard ones and this isn't dissing any of them um just saying most of them are in like churches and yeah. stuff or castles which again mm -hmm. makes total sense yes. really good locations but i wanted something that had a certain level of gravitas to it um i live in bath mm -hmm. and i kind of thought just as a casual thing i was like let's just let's just get in contact with the roman baths you know they can only say no right yeah yeah and um yeah when they got back to me they were like they told me how much it would cost and all this and i sort of sat there and thought it's actually quite doable yeah. you know it's like price wise like yeah. this could be thick. like could we actually run an event in the roman baths mm -hmm. which is probably the most highborn location you could set it <laughs> the location is beautiful the location um, is something else so yeah, like I say, it's that kind of feeling of immersion. Um, yeah, my my the very first player event I run, although I was still organising History and Virtue beforehand, mm -hmm. uh, it was a little player event called Mark of the Liberator. Oh. And it was a freeborn event. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, what I did was I hired a, uh, a place that does uh, Moroccan uh, events for weddings so you hire out the marquee yeah. they set dress it all for you and oh. and it was a really tiny little event but it was a bunch of people's first event and it was literally you walk into this marquee and suddenly you're in the brass coast like the vibe was all there it was you know i thought it was amazing and everyone just kept saying like i have never felt 
so immersed just yeah. stepping into that location and that's sort of what I wanted again from history and virtue mm. so yeah the idea was okay the Roman baths is this ruin of this old chapter house in Bastion and then pump room which is obviously the regency yeah. part of of the location is uh the newly built remodernized version where we've moved in as this new chapter <laughs> and that's why i kind of came up with the idea of history and virtue you know we want to tie in the idea of the empire's history but tie it in with the subject of virtue and create kind of like a discussion point um i wanted an event where people could yeah like I say feel like they're in the world and do what people did back in the day you know in in the roman times they would gather and they would discuss politics and fun things and whatever was going on perfectly with empire right it just it just <laughs> felt so right and i think in a way it, it sort of summed it all up for me the first time i ran it mm-hmm. was at the end of the night the uh, event manager of the baths who was who was sort of like making sure the behind the scenes stuff was working well uh he said to me uh i had a look from the balcony down into the baths and i when i saw everyone in costume to me that looked more like how i would imagine the roman empire to look with all the different people all the different uh outfits and so on from across the empire um he was yeah he said that to me is what it would have looked like better than any reenactment i've ever seen it was pretty it was probably oh, quite wow. probably i mean that, that's some praise <laughs> he was he was genuinely like quite taken yeah. aback by her and to me it's like you know if that's how you know a historian viewed it mm. as like part of the roman empire to me you know oh, yeah i, mean... I think there are elements of the Roman Empire in Empire for those exact reasons. It makes yeah. complete yeah. sense as well, because I guess the Roman battle, like you would have people, you have people from all over, like yeah. say coming to the baths, like you wouldn't have the, the local Brits, you know, just like you know, swanning in there. Yeah, you'd have people it, from Honestly, all over. it would be all over. And like the, you know, the artifacts they found in the Roman baths are from, you know, the, the curse tablets with writing on has writing from all over. Um, they found... Uh, artifacts where they're like this is from this part of the empire this coin is from that part of the empire it's it's and it is that kind of melting pot of of people from all over who you know because bath was such a cultural hub yeah back in the day you would have had people from all over you would have legit had roman tourists and stuff um and merchants and so on and it was very much that vibe um i had one person who came to the event and they said to me the moment they stepped out into the roman bath area and you know that sort of feeling you get of stepping into a piece of legit history and they sort of had a moment where they they teared up a little bit because they were like i'm playing my character in this place which feels so real because it is real and it was just sort of one of those moments where you get a little bit you get a bit like personally yeah. choked up about it. Yeah, it like was, you said, yeah. it is is real. It's not like I mean, mm. yeah, I mean, uh, like Imagineers can do amazing things at theme parks, but it's fake. And on a level, you mm. you know it's fake. But that like th- that bathroom, like just o- mm. on the bottom, and it's the way that it's all open, mm. and it's like open air, like as well yeah. at the uh, at night time. But you're undercover, but it's still open air, and you kind of look out at night, and it's obviously like the steam coming off the. 
Yeah. Off the baths as well, and because... and you've got the flames lit and the flambeaux, and um, I remember uh, one one of um one of the people in my group um, he was standing and he looked up, and you can see the spire of um, Bath Abbey in that open air roof area. You could see it just peeking over the top, and he sort of said, "Yeah, this is." what bastion is meant to look like yeah, this is... place with these giant towers standing up around in the distance and just yeah just that sort of i, I would say it's like a goose goosebumps sort of spine tingly feeling of yeah like full immersion in that moment oh, it, it's something else and because it is in that it's obviously that the standing room is like semicircle around the mm. baths and for a social event it's so perfect because obviously you can't you can't hear what anyone's mm. saying and they're all in their little groups, but they feel so close. Like you you yeah. see, because there's nothing between you and the group across the bath apart from the bath. So you get yeah. a perfect view of the groups talking, but you have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. It yeah. was so like, um, you could just tell there was like so many secrets being told mm. and things. They're just like standing there looking across and just seeing like, like Oliver just said, like, you know, certain people chatting together and maybe like slipping off out just slightly out of sight. And you're just like, oh, what, what's happening there? Yeah. What are they talking about? And, and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, the Roman baths have their own sort of like, um, they have like sort of, like back rooms where they have what would what would have once been the sauna and what would have once mm. been the changing rooms and you know you i i as sort of the host was sort of doing laps of of the baths just to make sure everyone was okay and i would sort of poke my head in and you just see people like quietly sitting there having a you know a quiet silent conversation just out of the way in these little back rooms and things and it was it's those sorts of things where it's like yeah this is where the uh this is where like yeah as you say the secrets happen or the the politics happen and um i just i just think it's so effective because yeah that's what would actually happen at in empire you know you would get all these people in these locations and they would discuss whatever it is they're discussing yeah, <laughs> yeah like i like, like like you just said it was those like little like rooms off of it that i i ended up off at one point and i was like wow this seems like completely private it's just mm. me and this other person but everything else is just happening behind us there and they can't hear us they have mm. no idea what's happening and we're able just to like you know sneak back out of there quite nicely or just you know sneak behind one of the pillars and it was just yeah. very much like as a first first ever player event it was absolutely incredible to kind of like experience all that and oh it was ideal for us i think as well because obviously the the thing about uh when you're when you're at empire there's lots of people and there's lots of people like you know we were talking about your job being archmage like Mm. like once timing goes in unless i've got an absolutely important thing to say to you we're probably not going to have, you know, a, a role play for an hour, you know, just yeah. like, oh, you know, well, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? Because everyone's got things to do. Yeah. What I loved about History and Virtue is you went and I talked to characters, people I, I speak to out of character a lot, but because they're in certain parts of the game mm. that I'm not, when timing comes, I never see them, you know? Yeah. And and that's why I, you know, I love player events that have plot. I think plot-driven player events are great. Uh, I'm a big fan of... Uh, 
social player events for that exact reason because you do get the chance to have those conversations with people you do get to you know just sit down with someone and have a discussion um and again it's one of those things why you know partly why i really enjoy history and virtue especially in terms of the subject matter is the whole idea is this is a space in which you can discuss this stuff you can discuss the history of the empire you can discuss what virtue means you can discuss how it all ties in together um with people you wouldn't necessarily meet or interact with but suddenly you've now got a connection with someone so when you do meet them in the field you can be like oh hey we had that discussion or oh that thing you brought up was really interesting i had a, hadn't thought about that before yeah. it's a really lovely opportunity to do those things um you know i saw little moments where people were doing um some someone came up to me and was like oh um this person has just said something which i feel might be a little bit heretical and considering i'm not a priest <laughs> uh you might want to send some priests to go and deal with that so i sort of scurried around found a couple of priests was just like just so you know this is what i've been informed you might want to look into that and then sort of next thing i know is across the the baths i see this contingent of priests all surrounding this particular person having a having a a a stern conversation um and it's again that's the other thing i love is because of the nature of the event Mm -hmm. you sort of have this veneer of polite society like I've never seen, certainly not at the moment. I haven't yet seen anyone have a full-on screaming match at the event. I have like pre-warned the event management people. Like that might happen. That might happen. I don't yeah. know. It could happen. <laughs> but it's the sort of thing of oh, we're at. You know, we've been invited to this event. We we have to be on our best behavior. But at the same time, you know, we're we're not afraid to have the stern discussions if we need to. Kind yeah, of thing. and it's funny because you you brought up like the Ro- the Roman Empire. I can imagine that would be the same type of yeah. culture, right? It's just like, oh, aren't we? Aren't we, especially in this savage land or whatever? It's like, aren't we civilized? You know, and really, the, no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Really. They're talking barbarous <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just it's just really fun. And like I say, it it gives you excuses to have reasons to interact with people so like um uh there was this one person that was a uh, um playing um i think it was a lute or something it was mm-hmm. it was an instrument and um they sung beautifully and so i went up to them afterwards and was like oh can i commission you for a song uh for uh the coming summit and they were like oh yes that absolutely and you know i might not have int- like come across them if it, if they weren't there performing their song mm-hmm. so it's it's all those little things yeah. like that um and then you get the fun thing obviously of the uh the donation museum later on when you go upstairs to the pump room which oh is my so separate <laughs> form of shenanigans <laughs> that, i mean that is i mean just the just the level of uh of, of how you know how good the role play is when you just stick a load of just items and just say hey it's this this is the dawn yeah. crown this is this yeah. and just getting people just just role-playing like you know you you, you just kind of you're, you're bumbling along you're like oh yeah what's that and and too highborn or in deep conversation of yeah. whether this this painting or whatever it is is virtuous <laughs> or not oh, and it was like deep like, in it, you know it was seeing how each nation reacted differently yeah. and like like Oliver just said he like seemed the highborn like doing that and we we were like sitting down eating at this point 
And somebody who was with us, who was from Dawn, just came over with one of the pieces from a museum. Was like, "Oh, look at this!" I'm like, "You're not supposed to take that. No, You're no. supposed to leave it over there." Like, I mean, like, it's cursed. Some free boy I mean, just goes. Ah, ah. I want to pick up this cursed thing. Um, I mean that that was sort of the idea of the donation museum. So, obviously, like I say, I, I like to do social events that don't have specific plot stories that are happening, but. I sort of wanted something that could generate game if and when people wanted to. And it's the sort of thing where if you want to interact with it, you can. If yeah. you don't want to interact with it, you could just ignore it and that's fine. Um, but part of the reason of creating it was I sort of sat down and I thought there are so many interesting items and backstory things that people have in the game and don't have the opportunity to really show people or, you know, if they do, it's only a few select people. Wouldn't it be cool to have a thing where people can actually bring their cool item or their, their backstory magic sword or whatever, and be able to actually show it off a bit. Um, and so that was sort of the original idea of the Donation Museum yeah. was like an excuse to show your cool stuff and maybe have a little bit of a story about it. And I mean, this is all on the players um, who came along. Yep. Everyone completely ran with it um, and was like, I want to put forward this cursed sword. I want to put forward this painting that, you know, someone else was like, I want to put forward this crown. Um, can can you put it in as anonymous, please? And all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, the crown. Um, crown. <laughs> I mean, it, it was great. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, as you say, the way people interacted, the way the different nations interacted with it was part of the fun. Mm. You know, I had someone come up to me and be like, you know, Luke, I'm so I'm so angry about the crown. You know, tell me about the crown. And me being highborn, I was like, what? Oh, you mean the crown of dawn? Yeah, you know, I thought that was a really interesting piece someone put forth. And they're like, no, we've been looking for that forever. Do you know if it's real or verified? It's like, <laughs> well, the piece of paper that the archivists wrote says that they're not sure, but it's from that time period. So, you know, completely not getting the significance of this artifact while obviously all of dawn are sort of running around with their hair on fire yeah we had real, all so. we had all different <laughs> opinions because i mean it's just like I, I think i think for a couple of us dawnish we were just like well start it's too small uh it can't possibly and also if it was the dawnish crown the whole place would surely be on fire by now and, and there would be a riot so everyone seems yeah. calm so therefore it can't be you know yeah yeah and and that's it is you know it's people taking that level of game and just running with it and yeah being able to play with it and mm -hmm. just sort of and, and that's what i love is it's the level of role play that comes out of mm -hmm. it yeah. um but yeah i i'm really glad you guys enjoyed the the donation museum and the shenanigans it brought forward it, does, <laughs> it, it creates game like you said it, it does create game now obviously like uh you know pd are very much like because obviously it's, it's way better to to talk about this stuff in character than it is like mm. on the forums on facebook and obviously pd yeah uh encourage that so what's because people say sanctioned events like what's what's the do you have to be like do you have to obviously just go to pd and be like hey i want to run an event mm. is there a, i'm assuming there's a process of them um so it's it's different depending on the kind of event you want to run. Oh, okay. Um, so um, I don't know if it's changed recently or not. I don't believe so, but this is just me 
covering my back in case it has. Um, <laughs> but I, I basically uh, dropped Matt P a line and was like, hey, I want to run this event um, in the Roman bars. Uh, want to do X, Y, Z. Is that cool? Mm-hmm. And it's a social event. So there's no formal plot. Um, and he was like, yep, totally fine. No issues. Go ahead. Um, if you're doing a plot driven event so one i helped crew with recently uh was called the wild hunt mm-hmm. um and that was one that had like a specific storyline to it where there might be uh more severe ramifications that could affect the game world at the mainline events mm-hmm. um that you have to send through to Matt P to get a formal approval of, and that you have to send through like plot documents and an explanation of the story you're doing with the idea being that uh, the plot team can run through it and make sure what you want to do doesn't uh, go against what they're doing in the game. Like you don't want to introduce (laughs) a new Eternal, for example. (laughs) You don't want to have a thing act the way it shouldn't act and then that confuse people when they then go into the main game and be like well this you know this this is how this acted so blah 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 yeah have Um, like oh yeah we've just destroyed a valorn heart and the pedia like no you didn't no no you didn't yeah and and that's it it's making sure um those things don't happen Mm. uh with social events because it's um you know because it's a social and there's no severe plot you um don't really need to go through all that one thing uh that you do need to take into account is that they do ask that you don't um make any uh like stern decisions like essentially like you know if someone (laughs) comes along it's like i want you to vote for me for this thing the idea is you know don't don't like agree to it that sort of game in the field, but like yeah. you can at least discuss it. I get if that. You want. Like it's like that if, sort of thing. yeah, like if half the generals happen to be at a player event and they're mm. like, yeah, we're gonna do this, and you've like totally that should yeah. have been done at military council. That's... Exactly, and it's those sorts of things they they ask you, know, and that's very much part of the social contract of being part of the game. What I really liked about like you say the um because you've gone on about oh there's there's not there's not too many kind of high guard ones. I really like. There's probably a place for like those mini anvil events, but I really like the idea of being like, oh, this is, you know, this is a high guard centric event. This is a league centric event. So you can kind of like, then if you look at your load of player events and it's not just a, oh, they're all just like mini anvils. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm quite interested in high guard or I'm interested in the league. I might go to this league event and see what that's all about. Or yeah. I might go to this Dornish event and see what that's all about. And especially Yeah, and it's a good way sorry, it's a good way to there. get an idea of like the cultural identity yeah. of that particular nation and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Gives you that freedom to do it like you like you said, because like Amble is is great, but it's like the idea is it's like a summit and it's kind of neutral ground and we're all in just like canvas tents. So you don't <laughs> you, we have to kind of imagine what dawn is like back home you know mm. and i guess with the player events you get to be like oh let's let's bring dawn to life or let's bring high guard to life that's what i really liked about it yeah and again that's sort of why i was like well let's see if we can do the roman baths because yeah. that feels like what high guard should be like you know there yeah. are other high guard events that do occur um uh, there's one uh, seven hours of virtue, which is in mm-hmm. a uh, deconsecrated church, 
Um, so it's you're, you're doing it essentially in the building of a church, and the next day they hire out a uh, a Victorian steam bath. So you have oh, like yeah. a vintage yeah. steam bath to do the whole cleanliness thing. So again, it, it's very much um, how you want to sort of play it. Yeah. Um, but again, it's that sort of thing. I wanted something that didn't feel quite so churchy or yeah. quite so much like a castle. Because to yeah. me, I'm like, oh, well, Dawn has castles. Yeah. So I'll let Dawn have the castles. So yeah, yeah. some of them yeah, are a little bit easier, <laughs> I imagine, right? Like Dawn with the castles and the marches is just like the English countryside or the Scottish countryside. So the Welsh <laughs> countryside is pretty much what you'd imagine the marches to be like. Yeah, I, guess, um, you know? I've, I, would, I would recommend if you want to do a really good marcher-themed game, mm -hmm. I would highly recommend good leaf games yeah. um mm -hmm. they usually run oh, yeah. between i think it's event three and event four um and it's 100 percent marcher vibes you can go as a non-marcher but it is like you sort of have to it's like going into another culture and immersing yourself for for a weekend and yeah. you're, you're sort of like don't really understand this but i'm having fun so that's the main thing um yeah there's I, and that's it there's all sorts of games out there mm -hmm. uh, loads of different player events all with different vibes depending on what you want to go for really um mm -hmm. you know there's fighting ones there's social ones uh there's horror ones it all sorts um it's just kind of down to the imagination of the player base really <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like what i really loved about history in virtue was the fact that the atmosphere itself it felt like a very relaxed atmosphere relaxed mm -hmm. enough that you were able to have those in-character conversations that sometimes you just you can't find the time on the field to yeah. always necessarily do but even with that relaxed atmosphere you never forgot that it was a high guard event and just every so often you would be, well, I'm speaking about myself care myself personally here. Every so often I'd be like, careful what I'd say because I don't know who's listening as people are walking past and I'm like, I don't want to accidentally commit any kind of hurt. So <laughs> and, and, and that's very much... Um like the vibe I want you know with the with the actual baths I don't obviously need to do any set dressing or anything because it's just perfect yeah. the way it is um but in the pump room I very much try and just put little elements to make it feel highborn so you know there's wash bowls everywhere there's uh the the altar on 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 the stage with you know all the paragons and exemplars that we look to um on display um you know that there's a, a consecration on on the room we have little signs saying this area is consecrated and stuff just those little elements to sort of just have people be like oh yeah you know we're we're in this place it's a highborn place um and i've got to kind of be aware of it <laughs> yes <all> <laughs> um, well what i loved is that like um even though so we, we moved obviously we were in the the section with the bath start off with and then we we moved upstairs afterwards what I loved is that the the people there running the actual um, natural baths themselves were quite happy for small groups to come yeah. back to the baths and do some little like private photo shoots mm. that like that opportunity just doesn't really happen to well, be able to do that. Well, that's the thing. Um, so that was actually the first time we've been able to do that. And I'm really oh, wow. glad the baths let us 
do that and we've sort of said can we do that again in the future and they've been very chill about it said yep that's absolutely fine um but yeah you know who doesn't want some really atmospheric photos of themselves in kit in the roman baths you know surrounded by (laughs) steam baths coming up and the flames from the flambos and you know 2000 year old columns you know oh yeah just like (laughs) looking out into the distance over the baths and just being like oh what's what are they thinking over yeah. there? <laughs> and again, it is. it goes back to that whole vibe of, I, I always like to feel like, you know, you have that moment of feeling like you're in something like, I don't know, Game of Thrones or whatever. Where oh, you're just yeah. Like, all this sort of like political discussions happening. And as someone walks by, everyone sort of side eyes you and kind of quiets down the the, the conversation for a minute or whatever. It's, it's brilliant. And I, I love it. And yeah, to me, it's, it's, creating that real world for people (laughs) yes definitely it really did do that like I I very quickly forgot that there was an actual entrance into this building (laughs) and a world outside this building I very quickly forgot as well yeah Yeah. (laughs) all these people around and I just like I blanked them out they were walking past windows when we were eating but totally blanked them out because I was in high guard I wasn't in bath I was in Mm. high guard at this point (laughs) Yeah. And and again, I think that also attests to just everyone's uh, commitment to the role play while they're in it. You know, Um, I I remember walking by and we had one table where we had this massive map of the empire, which I put out and Mm. I walked by and the table was surrounded by people all leaning over the table and pointing at the map and discussing like various, you know, well, you know, the Druze are going here and I think this should happen and stuff like this what are we going to do there and and again it was just that sort of feeling of yeah you know all these different topics are happening all at once and it's just there's just something really amazing about that and just really effective and and yeah like again going back to the donation museum um you know one of the donations is a model ship and the little piece of paper said, "Oh, you know, this is uh, th- this is a, a model of the basilisk's daughter, Emperor Barabbas's flagship." Now, that probably wouldn't mean much to anyone except some highborn players who know that and go, "Oh, that's interesting," you know. But then, you know, you've got other nations who go, "Oh, don't know much about that, but that sounds quite cool. Might mm-hmm. might look into that later on in the future." And it's those little elements which when you get into the main game at some point something will happen or you'll come across a bit of plot and you'll get a little ping in the back of your mind to be like oh that i know something about that i picked up some information (laughs) and that's where you then feel like again it's a whole world in that you've sort of picked up information elsewhere and then you've brought it to this new location and it's relevant and useful (laughs) yeah i bet you feel lucky with um empire players in general running that type of event because i was actually thinking about history and virtue because i was watching a a youtube video and it's it's it was some people in this the states that are laughers and they were talking about they went to this larp for the first time and they called they called it a european style larp where and it basically what they were describing is how we do it they weren't talking about the nordic system they were talking about how we do it at empire and they were like oh it was great but like the second day we were you know we woke up and we're having fun but we were just like because it's all player-led, we were like, oh, what do we do now? And there was like hundreds of players being like, 
Hmm, uh, what should we, you know? And I'm like, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine the Empire players doing that because it's it's mm. like literally, you know. Obviously, you 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 gave us the uh, the baths, and <laughs> you just you know we we're just in there in kit, and it's just we just go, you know. Yeah, I mean it. it... Again, it, it really depends on the players because I do know people who are like, oh, I don't like player events uh, I, or rather I don't like social events because uh, I don't like that there's no plot. And, you know, that's a fair enough opinion to have. Yeah. Um, you know, some people do like having a plot to chase. Um, I very much prefer socials in the sense of I like being able to do those conversations. I like having those emotional, character-driven conversations. To me, having social events gives me the opportunity to evolve my character. You know, we in the real world don't exist in just like one one vacuum. We, we're constantly evolving by the conversations we have with people no matter how big or small they might be mm -hmm. we're not always affected by just the big things in the world and to make empire feel more real you do need those simple little conversations or those intense emotional conversations um there was a beautiful little intimate moment where i was sitting having dinner and i was eating I think it was my fish and chips. I was eating fish and chips. <laughs> and, and next to me uh, was uh, a Dornish character called Jasper. And next to Jasper was a highborn character called Oliver. And Luke and Oliver are good friends. We do a lot of stuff at Empire. Don't really know Jasper at Empire very well, but I know the player of Jasper very well. Lovely person. Anyway, um, I was eating my dinner. And I just glance over and I notice that Oliver and Jasper are, are, are holding hands quite, quite tenderly. And I sort of side eye and just kind of say as Luke, oh, like, you know, you two seem close. How long have you two known each other? And they sort of look at each other and little coyly and they'd be like, oh, about 10 minutes. And Luke just sort of gives like this sort of side smile and then kind of glances deliberately down at the held hands. It's just like, oh. It just goes back to eating. Don't, and that was it. You know, it was a tiny little moment, but it was one of those sort of moments that, again, it's all character driven with our three characters and how we all interact in that moment. Yeah. And just like, oh, okay, well, now Luke has this information about these two. Um, but, you know, how does he feel about this? What does he think of it? And it's all those little tiny interactions, which to me makes your character a real person <laughs> yeah it's, it's it is yeah, almost like... like a different game though isn't it to mm. uh say like a quick i mean we, we found this i think we, we were like ready to jump into jump into lap it was still a little bit maybe a little bit overwhelming jumping in straight away but it like through, <laughs> but through a, like ttrpgs you you get the people that are like i mean a lot of us start out with playing D D. like oh here's a quest i'm just playing i'm playing a a paladin he believes this and 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 go but we got to the stage we actually had a, a game one we, we tried it out at one point where there was just the four players and we didn't have a dm we were just like should we just, should we just have a conversation yeah. and we were just we literally just started laughing we were literally we just yeah. as our characters we just we literally yeah. there was no there was no there was no dm to be like oh this is happening that's happening we literally just talked as our characters but mm. not not everyone 
kind of discovers that. So I can totally get some people being like, oh, oh, what? I just, I just come and I just, I just talk, you know, and and no one's gonna come up and be like, you need to go on this quest, to, yeah, <laughs> to to save this yeah. person. And here, here's the here's the game in front of you. You know, it's it's quite a, yeah. quite a unique thing, but uh, it's it, I'd love it. I really do. I'm really, yeah. I'm really glad. I'm really glad. It's, it's, it, you know, it's nice to know people really appreciate the game and sort of, you know, you always put something on and you kind of sit there going, oh, I hope people like it. I mean, a couple of us, um, myself included, do have ideas for a plot-driven event at some point. Nice. But that's going to be a very different style event and mm -hmm. purposefully so. Um it's not going to mean I'm going to stop doing history and virtue. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep running it because uh, I now have a deal with the bars. So they've been very lovely about it. Um, nice. And very sweet because, you know, when you rock up to them and you're like, hi, um, I know you normally host weddings and the occasional Jane Austen themed event. Um, how do you feel about wizards and orcs? <laughs> um, but yeah, they were very, very sweet about it. And once we did it the first time, they kind of got what we were doing. The staff seemed like really cool with it. And you were saying that they were, you know, they were like, uh, like you said, it was, they obviously came to you and was like, oh, and you were like, it's feasible. Because really, um, for the for the price of the event and the LARP, uh, we, we obviously went to Bath. And I'm just like, quite honestly, like for the price of us just coming on a normal day, and getting just to see the baths yeah. isn't that far away from your entire event being able to do yeah. that and then eat and then go upstairs and obviously also LARP at the same, yeah. play a LARP game and, at the same time. And that's one of the things I, I sort of say to people, because again, there are plenty of other social events out there. Um, and I do admit, obviously, History of Virtue is a little bit more on the pricey end, but that's because you're paying for the venue, you're paying mm. for the location. Um, and I think when you're kind of at the event you realize why you're paying for the venue um but yeah it you know i always sort of have to say for i uh, for i think it's about half the ticket price normally you would get into the roman baths as like a tourist on a normal day it would be surrounded by hundreds of other tourists you know jostling about taking pictures etc and suddenly instead you're getting you know, a good chunk of time in the baths to yourselves doing role play and, you know, getting cool pictures and getting cool experiences plus food and drink. It, it's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, you know what? I think, I think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. like, go on, sorry, Robin. I was just going to say, like, um, history and virtue, um, for, for me anyway, um, completely has helped prepare me for e1 mm. this year because this time i basically i really want to go for a hat at e1 yeah and i have no idea how to approach this in character because at empire there's so much going on and mm. to try and like pitch things to people and speak to them and get that advice in such a short period of time yeah. is difficult and History and virtue actually gave me an opportunity to go around and to speak to people and yeah. to ask advice and to pitch it and to practice this sort of mm. thing ready. And it made me go like driving away from it. I was like, okay, no, I am so ready for E1. I know exactly what I'm doing and I know exactly who I'm speaking to first to make this happen. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so and yeah, that that's it, isn't it? It's about sort of it, I, the social events are very much about aiding your character and helping yeah. you like I say develop your character and be able to 
you know, I did a lot of my first uh, experiences doing public speaking at player events by reading speeches out at player events. And now, like, I love public speaking. I think it's great fun. And I can, it really do, is. It, <laughs> I can do it at an actual Empire event in front of a bunch of people, which I wouldn't have been able to do before. I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. Um, but doing it at player events felt really good because you've got like a bunch of people listening and then afterwards people are going to come and chat to you about the topic of the thing you spoke about yes Um, yeah all sorts of fun things like that um there was uh i so so one player event i went to um and this was quite soon after lockdown Mm -hmm. um and so a bunch of the people at the event were all new people, like hadn't actually been to a, an Empire event yet. And they were like, we're just so desperate to do Empire. We're going to this player event. Um, and it was called the Way House. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And I know they they run it a couple of times at Eversley. Mm-hmm. And it was just after the breaking of all the mirrors in Sarvos happened. Anyway, we were at this event and uh, there was one one. Uh, player there who was a leaguer and I thought oh okay didn't recognize them didn't know who they were but I went up to them and I said oh you know where in the league are you you from and they said oh I'm from from Sarvos so I was like oh you know I just want you to know I'm really sorry about what happened and then we had like a really lovely long conversation about you know what happened my character's opinion on what happened all this sort of stuff and I was having a chat with the player of this character uh, uh, quite recently. And they said to me, you know, you coming up to me at that event instantly changed my character's opinions of some highborn. You know, understandably, my character would be really angry at what the highborn have done and so on. <laughs> but yeah you came along and had that conversation and we spoke about it and it's like oh well not all highborn are bad and it's it's those little things that you normally just wouldn't get an opportunity to do that you just like no. oh, there's a person over there i'm going to go over and talk to them because yeah. i have the time and space to be able to do that without being like oh i've got to make it to my next meeting <laughs> it's all those fun little like interactions that just like you said like usually you're quite quite rushed and mm. It was the what I wasn't prepared for was the fact there was people from so many different nations, yeah, all like packed into this one one event, and you had the opportunity to interact with them. You know, I got the opportunity to have a lot of back and forth fun with a marcher that I wasn't expecting. (laughs) I think I volunteered to fight for someone, um, which I just remembered and I wasn't (laughs) expecting. And you're just like, like these are the things that just won't actually happen normally. Yeah, you can find conversations, can't you? I think I started off and people were like going, oh yeah, politics. And my character's like, politics. (laughs) Eventually I found conversations of like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna fight in the glory square, but we need people. I'm like, yeah, I'm down. When when is it? E1 yeah. this time. Let's do it. <laughs> and that's it. Like yeah, you're gonna have conversations which are like, not my circus, not my monkeys. Mm. Keep walking on, and then you'll kind of bump into people talking about something. And you're like, oh, this sounds like something I'm interested in. I'm gonna poke my head round. And then again, the nice thing about socials is generally, unless people are obviously having a private conversation in which case it's usually very obvious they're having Mm. a private conversation people you can just suddenly join groups of people and join in with a conversation 
um, because it's kind of expected at those yeah. sorts of events. Um, and there's the sort of willingness by the players to encourage debate and encourage conversation and, you know, just being able to pop in and say like, oh, you know, I heard you mention this. What are you discussing? And yeah. people being like, oh, well, we're just talking about this thing. You know, what's your thoughts on it? And and that's really lovely is this, again, this willingness for collective storytelling yeah, and in, in, in that respect. Um, yeah. yeah, it's feeding into the actual, the way Empire works as well. Like you were saying about this player's opinions on high guard. That's li- I mean, that's what I'm kind of finding with Empire. Empire is all about you know it it plays best when it's just, you're just like you're constantly changing your opinion on yeah. what's going on in the empire because the whole game is everyone's just talking about what's happening in the empire so someone will come up and the, you won't know anything about an eternal and then suddenly mm-hmm. you can start forming an opinion about an eternal because you've spoken just yeah. to, to someone about it and that is like real, especially with the nations because that is like you said it's um someone said oh i've changed my opinion about high guard and mm without sounding Lardy Dar, I'd like in real life I've had the, the <laughs> opportunity of, of being on a cultural exchange and that's a <laughs> that's a real life thing. You know, you, yeah. you you have your opinion of what a certain a certain group of people are like or what a certain you know political ideal is like or how people live. Uh and then because of stereotypes and whatever or what people have told you and then you go and spend time with individual human beings and you're just like, oh, this is what it's like. Um, yeah that's the some of the best parts of empire as a game you know absolutely and like i mean i will also say you know history and virtue very much it's you know this is my group my chapter the navigators of virtue showing what we are about and it's it's a way of sort of saying hey we are a group who is about discussion who is about hearing opinions who wants to have these debates, who wants to discuss history, who wants to discuss virtue with all people. Um, And so it's kind of also saying, hey, you know, if you want to have these kind of conversations, we're willing to have them with you kind of thing. Um, You know, we might not necessarily agree, but we're we're here to have the conversation. Um, And and I think that's always very interesting is obviously – uh, same within Dawn and any other nation, each group has their own sort of thing and their own sort of style yeah. and the way they present themselves. So it's very much a, this is how we are presenting ourselves. Yes. And very much part of the group is this willingness to interact with the other nations, but still be very firm in, you know, but we're still highborn, you know, we're yeah. still who we are, but that doesn't mean we can't be open to other yeah. ideas and discussions oh, from other people <laughs> yeah like it was super educational in that sort of way where like m- myself and as an extension of that rnl um didn't really know much about virtues to be honest and um, <laughs> we're very much like kind of could kind of like name them and wasn't too sure yeah. on a lot of information but then she's learned lots and has heard lots while being there and has since started questioning people on you know is that really that virtuous? I yeah. mean, don't really think that is, is it? You know, and she's actually <laughs> started to question people and judge them almost on it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. wow, part of the game never saw happening. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. It's it's the experience of having things happen that you're like, I didn't plan for that to happen, but, I, you know, I'm going to follow this thread and see where it ends up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, we had uh, one of the things which I really enjoyed <laughs> was um, 
so another thing that my character's involved in is uh, a group called the Fellowship of the Burning Rose. And we okay. have like a small section uh, in the pump room with uh, like a banner and a mosaic and booklets about. And it was really nice because, you know, I wasn't pushing it. It was just a little section where it's like, if people want to look into it, they can. Or if people want to come and chat to me about it, they can. But Again, it's a, if you want to interact with it, you can. If you don't, you just ignore it. Um, and it was really nice because by the end of the weekend, all the booklets had been taken. Um, there's a wonderful photo that one of the photographers p- took of someone sat at the table literally reading the booklet and basically reading like what the group is about and what we're trying to achieve and so on. And again, it's having people being able to have those moments to be to just sit down and read something you know I couldn't tell you the amount of times people come up to me and give me something to read at Empire and I'm like oh yeah yeah I'll read it later put it in my bag and then I don't look at it until I clear out my LARP stuff when I get home you know and that's not because I don't want to read it I literally just don't have the time to sit down and read something um so it's it's again those little moments where you get to experience the other aspects that is happening on in the game that you just wouldn't have the time to do. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So since we are we are at time, we'll do we'll do a proper plug for history and virtue. So you you've already said Scarlet, you're running it again, right? Yep. Uh, what what time of year does it is it going to It'll be? It'll be in February. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the penciled in date is the. Saturday the it's either the 23rd or the 24th I can't remember off the top of my head mm-hmm. um but it's that sort of weekend on the Saturday yeah. um it will be in the evening um yeah it'll be uh, good food good people uh, yeah. yeah well, good we're, location. We're, we're, we'll, we'll be there, so it's good. It's all. It's all good. All good people. It's it's local to us. You see, that's the thing. It's, it was literally yeah. we we. Well, it was just lucky for us that we could just drive. We just literally just drove <laughs> there and then. Mind, mind you, I think this time I might be because Bath is. I've I've not been to um actually been to Bath like mm. in the city itself, which is is actually a, a very well, nice make... city. Oh. So. We should totally make a day of it this time because yeah. I found out that there is like this little like really cool like tea house or something nearby that has all these like really cool things. I got sent all these photos and they were like, <laughs> oh yeah, we all went to this tea house for like tea and cakes beforehand. I'm like, so next year we're going to have a whole day and I'm still thinking about the food that was at History of Virtue. I'm so glad so people like the food. Oh, the food was great. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, the food. Really it is always that thing of saying to people, "I know the portions look small, but trust me, you'll be full by the end uh, of the night." Also, uh, yeah, I mean, I had two, and I was done. Uh, yeah, because they continuously kept me around, being like, yeah. "More, more, more, more," and, and yeah. there was like, by the time puddings came out, I don't think many, many puddings got eaten because everyone's like, "I'm so full, I've yeah. eaten so much, it's so." Good. I made it work. Like, <laughs> I, I really made it work so that I could get something. <laughs> But one of the things I will say about coming to Bath for the event is part of the reason I picked it on Saturday evening is to make it easier for people. And also people coming further away can stay over. Mm -hmm. Bath is a, um, you know, it is a sort of stag do, hen do kind of location. So there's lots of like hotels and Airbnbs and all sorts. And I know what quite a few people do, like say, if they're coming from a bit of a distance is they tend to book an airbnb with a bunch of empire players and they make a weekend of it yeah. so you yeah. sort of do the event on on the saturday and then on the sunday you have a let's be tourists in bath kind of day yeah. um and i think that works out for a lot of people um 
I keep sort of saying, oh, on the Sunday, I'll I'll go out and we'll have like a nice meal with a bunch of people. But uh, I'm always knackered by the last by the Sunday. So I've not managed it yet. But I know a lot of other people do it. So <laughs> yeah, awesome. I can't wait for it. Right before we wrap up, do you want to uh, plug anything else? Do you want to tell people where to find you? Because I know you have your um, your your commission based presence yes. as well. Um, so yeah, I, I do commissions, uh, costume commissions, uh, predominantly for Empire, but generally I will do anything. Uh, my website is www.goldenmochi.co.uk. So that's golden, G-O-L-D-E-N, and then mochi, M-O-C-H-I, which is like the little Japanese suite. Yeah, um, I'm also on Facebook, um, where I tend to update uh, the projects I'm working on and stuff. So it's going to be quiet for the next week because obviously I'm in crunch mode for yeah. E1. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so at, at the time of recording this, it's like a, a week away. So by the time, so much to do. Yeah, by the time this goes out, we'll be back from we'll be back from yeah. E1. So so yeah. Oh, wasn't that a great E1, folks? Yeah. That was oh, a yeah, great yeah, E1. Great time. Yeah, great. All alive. Did everything I wanted to do. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, I'll put I'll put all all the information that you just said down in the description anyway for you folks uh right thank you for scarlet for coming on not uh, a problem it's been great fun that was awesome <laughs> yeah I, I feel like we could have gone for another couple of hours so we'll have to have you back I, on I, as i say always happy to to be coming back on and like i say i've been playing the game since forever so i could talk about a lot of different things <laughs> awesome we appreciate you scarlet right we'll say goodbye to the podcast everyone all right, all right then bye, See bye. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to find Scarlet on the internet, all the information is down in the episode description. Consider following and subscribing if you want to know when a new episode is posted. Until then, you can go and check out some of our other content we have done on the Empire LARP system and LARP in general. Until that next time, though, we love you and stay safe.